Hi, I'm the tech lead and today I'll be the tech lead. I wanted to talk today about some of the top algorithms to know for the coding interview. I've conducted over 100 interviews for large tech companies and I've also gone through interviews myself too. So I thought I would share some of my top tips as you're preparing for your interviews. Today we are drinking coffee. I'm taking it black because it is a serious topic and I'm a serious man. Oh, that tastes so professional. The aroma is just so sophisticated. Now there are a lot of different algorithms to study and to know, but I thought I would key you in on some to focus on especially. One of the top algorithms to know is tree traversal. Tree traversal is used heavily in the industry and I would be highly surprised if you went through an interview without getting asked at least one tree traversal question. If you think about it, there's not that many tricky algorithms. There's a few you gotta know and that you should know very well. And one of them is tree traversal. So as far as that goes, this involves knowing how to traverse a tree in a number of ways. There's pre-order traversal, in-order traversal, post-order traversal, breadth-first search, and depth-first search. One common problem is given the view hierarchy where there's a view, subviews, and sub-subviews, traverse every view and print the view. This can be modeled as a tree problem and you should know how to do it recursively and iteratively. There may also be scenarios where you need to do breadth-first search to find the nearest node that matches some criteria. The binary search algorithm also occasionally shows up in interviews where you need to traverse some tree structure looking for some node, and that can be done in logarithmic time. You should also know how to use data structures to represent a tree. In my data structures course, they taught tree structures as having a node with a left node and a right node. But I think that was probably kind of naive because that limits the fan out to two, and if you want more larger fanouts, then what really makes sense is just having an array. So really all you need to represent a tree is a node with an array of children nodes inside. Now we know that recursion is a common way to traverse these tree structures, but surprisingly a lot of people think they know recursion, but I don't think they know it well, and they don't know it elegantly. And what commonly happens is that when you start writing a recursive function, you start needing to pass parameters to represent state. And then your recursive function gets bigger and bigger and you start needing to pass a bunch of variables into it. So one thing to think about is commonly recursive programs need helper functions where you call into the recursive program and then that recursive program calls straight into the helper function but passes in a set of initialization variables. That can help keep your code and API clean. You also want to think about what your base case is because if you can clarify what that base case is at what point the recursive function will end, uh, that usually helps you write a cleaner function. Recursion is another favorite interview question and I would be surprised if it weren't asked. Now the thing to know is, commonly in tech, recursion is not actually used all that often because it is limited to stack space. Because of that, recursion has limits and is not that optimal. And usually what professional developers would do is convert that into an iterative function. So this is where you can start looking into gaining extra points. It's good to know that every recursive algorithm can be converted to an iterative algorithm using stacks or queues. And I encourage you to try practicing out some of this stuff, like try taking one of your favorite algorithms, like say Fibonacci or tree traversal, and try implementing that iteratively and see what you would need for that. You might find that in some scenarios, some recursive algorithms are actually pretty difficult to do iteratively and others are not. And that really depends on how much state you're passing from one recursive iteration to the next one. So that's just a pro tip is sometimes all the interviewers looking for is the recursive algorithm because the iterative algorithm may require too much overhead to complete, but you want to keep that in mind. 
Speaking of stacks and queues, these are often used very commonly in interview questions. One common question is given a string of parentheses, check if they're balanced, and that can be done with a stack. You just push them and pop them as you go. Most languages have support for stacks and queues like array pop, push, shift, unshift, vectors, so you're just going to want to make sure you're familiar with those language syntax and features. The other one to note here is object-oriented programming, which also comes up quite often in interviews. And you're going to want to bring out the object-oriented programming wherever you can just to show that you have some sense of code structures and organizing code. So for whichever language you're choosing, make sure you know how to create a class in that language, set up methods, private variables, public variables. And as you approach a problem, start thinking about what potential data structures you may need to solve the problem, and if it makes sense to create a class for that. Sometimes using classes can even simplify your work. For example, instead of using a 2D array to represent a grid, you can set up a grid class. And then you can just use that grid class and call methods on it and pretend that these methods exist and fill them in later if you have time. That might actually help you save some time because you can assume that this class will help take care of things like edge checks, sanitation, validation, maybe provide certain helper methods that you might need and it may help you progress further through a problem than you normally would be able to. Speaking of data structures, hash maps is another one that you have to know. Many algorithms can be solved using hash maps. It's a simple trick and I'll give you a little secret here. If you happen to get stuck on the interview question, start thinking about hash maps, stacks, queues. These basic data structures are probably going to be involved in any optimal solution. Hash maps are used very commonly in any interview question so you should definitely understand how to use them. You should understand their time-space analysis, and you should understand how to use them. Like, given some language of your choice, how do you create a hash map? How do you populate it? What's the syntax for that? And you should also be able to know how to create hash maps of other hash maps, hash maps keyed on strings, integers, or even objects where you may need to compute a hashing function, and be able to answer the interviewer if they ask you what that hashing function may be. One common interview question with hash maps is to sum, where given an array of integers, find two integers that sum up to some number. And using hash maps, you can go through the array in one pass and figure out which two numbers sum up to some number. Um, and that's another thing to keep in mind is how many passes you might need. Like oftentimes an algorithm might require one pass to process data in some way, and then the second pass to actually compute the solution. So keep that in mind, sometimes you may need to do two passes or even three passes that's still going to count as a linear time algorithm because you're still doing a constant number of linear time passes. When I used to do interviews, I would answer them in PHP because I thought that that was a very quick language. And I still might use that sometimes, but I've decided to also add C or C++ to my language mix because sometimes I get questions that can only be answered using C or C++. These are questions like reverse a linked list. Since PHP doesn't really use pointers, it just doesn't work very well for the question. So be prepared to have C or C++ at your language disposal in case you get asked to do something like reverse a linked list. Uh, you're going to want to be able to bust out those pointers for a question like that. Or you can just use pseudocode. But pointers are generally one aspect of computer programming that trips a lot of people up. And interviewers might just ask you that just to see if they can catch you that way. Sorting is another area that you should study up on, especially the runtime analysis of it. In practice, people probably won't actually ask you to implement any of these in detail, especially the complicated ones like, say, quicksort. I think some of these are good to know, like, say, bubble sort or merge sort. But the rest, uh, if you have extra time and bandwidth, then go ahead and study up on those, though, if you like. 
And then the final tip is to know how to work with strings in your language of choice. Know how to construct them, know how to iterate through them character by character, and know how to solve some common algorithms like determine if the string is a palindrome or an anagram. Now one area we haven't talked about too much is dynamic programming. And I think that dynamic programming scares a lot of people because often it's an aha moment where you either get the algorithm or you don't. And if you got it, then you can solve it very quickly. And if you didn't, then it would take you a really long time to figure that out. So in my opinion, you should know the basics of dynamic programming, but don't waste too much time studying it because I would be surprised if an interviewer were to actually ask you a dynamic programming question. Like, I think those are really pretty tricky and people are generally discouraged from asking questions that are too tricky or too involved. But uh, many times dynamic programming, all it is is memoization where you're caching the values as you're going through the algorithm. And just by caching the values, you're solving subproblems as you go through, and then you can reuse the results of those subproblems to compute the final uh, answer. So as far as that goes, if you keep in mind caching and solving smaller problems, and then caching those and reusing that value, that's pretty much dynamic programming for you. So those are my overall tips. But I want to remind you once more that solving the problem itself is not the goal. It's really the process, and by process I mean it's going to be in your analysis of the problem. How well can you analyze it? How well can you look at the design alternatives, trade-offs, pros and cons in terms of time and memory, big O time-space analysis? Oftentimes there's many ways to solve a problem, and it's going to be a trade-off between time and memory. And if you can just bring that out and mention like, well if you want to optimize for time, we're going to want to use this data structure and solve it this way. And if you want to optimize for memory, we're going to do it this other way. For example, you may be able to find an optimal time algorithm using some hash map, but then you're using a lot of space. But it would have been great if you could point out, well, if you want to be space efficient, but not necessarily time efficient, then you can use some other algorithm that is maybe quadratic time, but doesn't use that hash map. That would be great to show. Similarly, if there's a recursive algorithm, point out the pros and cons of using that versus an iterative algorithm. Now I have one more tip for you, and it is in this box. Oh, what's this? Brilliant.org? Well, this is amazing. Brilliant.org is an educational website that can teach you all sorts of things, including computer science fundamentals and algorithms. And I'm a big fan of continued learning. I even use the site myself to learn more about machine learning algorithms. Their courses are done in a really beautiful and interactive way that make learning a lot of fun. And there's a broad range of other fun topics on here too, including logic, math, science, physics, astronomy, a lot of their content is free and very high quality, so you can browse around their website for hours learning about topics that you may be interested in. So to support TechLead and to learn more about Brilliant, go to brilliant.org slash techlead and sign up for free. And also, the first 200 people that go to that link will get 20% off the annual premium subscription. That'll do it for me. Good luck and see you next time. Bye.